Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we're going to read chapters 47 to 48, and in the previous episode, I believe we read chapters 45 to 46, and in the previous episode, a quick recap, is Percy, Jason, and Piper had finally been able to reach um, the room where Nico is currently being kept uh, held captive, and they were also able to meet the two giants, Ephialtus and Otis, and at one point they start battling the two giants and they decide that they start thinking to themselves maybe this is a bit too hard maybe you know they don't have a chance and then out comes from nowhere we have one of our favorite gods which is assumed to be you know either Dionysus slash Bacchus or Ares because they talked about fire flickered in his eyes. So we'll have to see which one it is as we read chapter 47, Percy. Percy had never thought of Mr. D as a calming influence, but suddenly everything got quiet. The machines ground to a halt. The wild animals stopped growling. The two leopards paced over, still licking their lips from Piper's pot roast, and butted their heads affectionately against the god's legs. Mr. D scratched their ears. Really, Ephialtus, he chided. Killing demigods is one thing, but using leopards for your spectacle? That's over the line. The giant made a squeaking sound. This... This is... Impossible! It's Bacchus, actually, my old friend, said the god. And of course it was possible. Someone told me there was a party going on. He looked the same as he had in Kansas... But Percy still couldn't get over the differences between Bacchus and his old, not-so-much-of-a-friend, Mr. D. Bacchus was meaner, and leaner, with less of a potbelly. He had longer hair, more spring in his step, and a lot more anger in his eyes. He even managed to make a pine cone on a stick look intimidating. Ephialtus' spear quivered. You gods are doomed! Be God! In the name of Gaia! Hmm. Bacchus sounded unimpressed. He strolled through the ruined props, platforms, and special effects. Mm, tacky. He waved his hand at a painted wooden gladiator, then turned to a machine that looked like an oversized rolling pin studded with knives. Cheap. Boring. And this. He inspected the rocket launching contraption, which was still smoking. Tacky. Cheap. And boring. Honestly, Ephialtus, you have no sense of Style? Style? The giant's face flushed. I have mountains of style. I define style. I... My brother oozes style, Otis suggested. Thank you, Ephialtus cried. Bacchus stepped forward and the giant stumbled back. Have you two gotten... shorter? Asked the god. Oh, that's low, Ephialtus growled. I'm quite tall enough to destroy you, Bacchus. You gods are always hiding behind your mortal heroes, trusting the fate of Olympus to the likes of these. He sneered at Percy. Jason hafted his sword. Jason hafted his sword. Lord Bacchus, are we going to kill these giants or what? Well, I certainly hope so, Bacchus said. Please, carry on. Percy stared at him. Didn't you come here to help? Bacchus shrugged. Oh, I appreciated the sacrifice at sea. Oh, ship full of Diet Coke. Very nice, although I would have preferred Diet Pepsi. And six million in gold and jewels, Percy muttered. 
Uh, yes, Bacchus said. Although with demigod parties of five or more, the gratuity is included, so that wasn't necessary. What? Never mind, Bacchus said. At any rate, you got my attention. I'm here. Now I need to see if you're worthy of my help. Go ahead, battle. If I'm oppressed, I'll jump in for the grand finale. We speared one, Percy said. Drop the roof on the other. What do you consider impressive? Ah, a good question. Bacchus tapped his thyrusus. Thyrusus? Then he smiled in a way that made Percy think, uh-oh. Perhaps you need uh, inspiration. The stage hasn't been properly set. You call this a spectacle, Ephialtus? Let me show you how it's done. The god dissolved into purple mist. Piper and Nico disappeared. Pipes! Jason yelled. Bacchus, where did you... The entire floor rumbled and began to rise. The ceiling opened in a series of panels. Sunlight poured in. The air shimmered like a mirage, and Percy heard the roar of a crowd above him. The hypogeum ascended through the forest of weathered stone columns, into the middle of a ruined coliseum. Percy's heart did a somersault. This wasn't just any coliseum. It was THE coliseum. The giant special effects machine had got into overtime, laying planks across ruined support beams so the arena had a proper floor again. The bleachers repaired themselves until they were gleaming white. A giant red and gold canopy extended overhead to provide shade from the afternoon sun. The emperor's box was draped with silk, flanked by banners and golden eagles. The roar of applause came from thousands of shimmering purple ghosts. The layers of Rome brought back in for an encore performance. Vents opened in the floors and sprayed sand across the arena. Huge props sprang up, guarded garage-sized mountains of plaster, stone columns, and, for some reason, life-sized plastic barnyard animals. A small lake appeared to one side. Ditches crisscrossed the arena floor in case anybody was in the mood for trench warfare. Percy and Jason stood together facing the twin giants. This is a proper show boomed the voice of Bacchus. He sat in the emperor's box, wearing purple robes and golden laurels. At his left sat Nico and Piper, her shoulder being tended by a nymph in a nurse's uniform. At Bacchus's right crouched a satyr offering up Doritos and grapes. The god raised a can of dyed Pepsi, and the crowd went respectfully quiet. Percy glared up at him. You're just gonna sit there? The demigod is right! Ephialtus bellowed. Fight us yourself, coward! Um... Without the demigods. Bacchus smiled lazily. Ah, Juno says she's assembling... She's assembled a worthy crew of demigods. Show me. Entertain me, heroes of Olympus. Give me a reason to do more. Being a god has its privileges. He popped his soda can top, and the crowd cheered. So that was... That's the end of chapter 47. Pretty short, but... Pretty interesting to see what exactly Bacchus's stance is in this battle. And it's more of a spectator-ish type of um, stance. And usually it seems normal for dem- for gods to do that. You know, as they watch these demigods fight against these monsters and everything. You know, technically all they do is usually just spectate all of these things. But now... You know, Bacchus, you know, you can actively see Bacchus spectating these people. And it's not just from a place where you can't see him, but now it's directly he's watching you as if he's kind of watching a play happen. So we'll have to see how the rest of this battle goes as we continue to read the next chapter. Um, 
But yeah, and one more quick announcement after the after I read this chapter, we will be also doing shoutouts and if again if I miss anybody, please do let me know and I am terribly sorry if I do miss your name. All right. So you have to break. And we're back from the ads and now we're going to read chapter 48, Percy. Percy had fought many battles. He'd even fought in a couple of arenas, but nothing like this. In the huge coliseum with thousands of cheering ghosts, the god Bacchus staring down at him, and the two 12-foot giants looming over him, Percy felt as small and insignificant as a bug. He also felt very angry. Fighting giants was one thing. Bacchus making into a game was something else. Percy remembered what Lou Castellan had told him years ago, when Percy had come back from his very first quest. Didn't you realize how useless it all is? All the heroics being pawns of the Olympians? Percy was almost the same age now as Luke had been then. He could understand how Luke became so spiteful. In the past five years, Percy had been a pawn too many times. The Olympians seemed to take turns using him for their schemes. Maybe the gods were better than the Titans, or the Giants, or Gaia, but that didn't make them good or wise. It didn't make Percy like this stupid arena battle. Unfortunately, he didn't have much choice. If he was going to save his friends, he had to beat these Giants. He had to survive and find Annabeth. Ephialdus and Otis made his decision easier by attacking. Together, the Giants picked up a fake mountain as big as Percy's New York apartment and hurled it at the demigods. Percy and Jason bolted. They dove together into the nearest trench and the mountain shattered above them, spraying them with plaster shrapnel. It wasn't deadly, but it stung like crazy. The crowd jeered and shouted for blood. Fight! Fight! I'll take Otis again, Jason called over the noise. Or do you want him this time? Sorry, let me repeat that. I'll take Otis again, Jason called over the noise. Or do you want him this time? Percy tried to think. Dividing was the natural course, fighting the giants one-on-one, but that hadn't worked so well so last time. It dawned on him that they needed a different strategy. This whole trip, Percy had felt responsible for leading and protecting his friends. He was sure Jason felt the same way. They'd worked together in small groups, hoping that would be safer. They fought as individuals, each demigod doing what he or she did best. But Hera had made them a team of seven for a reason. The few times Percy and Jason had worked together, summoning the storm at Fort Sumter, helping the Argo II escape the Pillars of Hercules, even filling the Nephaeum, Percy had felt more confident, being able to figure out problems, as if he'd been a Cyclops his whole life, and suddenly woke up with two eyes. We attack together, he said. Otis first, because he's weaker, take him out quickly, and then move to Ephialtus. Bronze and gold together, maybe that'll keep them from reforming a little longer. Jason smiled dryly, like he just found out he would die in an embarrassing way. Why not? He agreed. But Alphialtus isn't going to stand there and wait while we kill his brother unless... Good win today, Percy offered. And there's some water pipes running under the arena. Jason understood immediately. He laughed and Percy felt a spark of friendship. This guy thought the same way he did about a lot of things. On three, Jason said, 
Why wait? They charged out of the trench. As Percy suspected, the twins had lifted another plaster mountain and were waiting for a clear shot. The giants raised it above their heads, preparing to throw, and Percy caused a water pipe to burst at their feet, shaking the floor. Jason sent a blast of wind against Ephialtus' chest. The purple-haired giant toppled backward and Otis lost his grip on the mountain, which probably collapsed on top of his brother, only Ephialtus' snake feet stuck out, darting their heads around, as if wondering where the rest of their body had gone. The crowd roared with approval, but Percy suspected Ephialtus was only stunned. They had a few seconds at best. Hey, Otis! He shouted. The Nutcracker bites! Ah! Otis snatched up his spear and threw, but he was too angry to aim straight. Jason deflected over Percy's head and into the lake. The demigods backed toward the water, shouting insults about ballet, which was kind of a challenge as Percy didn't know much about it. Otis barreled toward them empty-handed before apparently realizing that A, he was empty-handed, and B, charging toward a large body of water to fight a son of Poseidon, was maybe not a good idea. Too late! He tried to stop. The demigods rolled to either side, and Jason summoned the wind, using the giant's own momentum to shove him into the water. As Otis struggled to rise, Percy and Jason attacked as one. They launched themselves at the giant and brought their blades down on Otis's head. The poor guy didn't even have a, didn't even have a chance to pirouette. He exploded into powder on the lake's surface like a huge packet of drink mix. Percy turned the lake into a whirlpool. Otis's essence tried to reform, but as his head appeared from the water, Jason called lightning and blasted him to dust again. So far, so good, but they couldn't keep Otis down forever. Percy was already tired from his fight underground. His guts still ached from getting smacked with a spear shaft. You could feel his strength waning, and they still had another giant to deal with. As if on cue, the plaster mountain exploded behind them. Ephialtus's rose, bellowing with anger. Percy and Jason waited as he lumbered toward them, his spear in hand. Apparently getting flattened by under a plaster mountain had only energized him. His eyes danced with murderous light. The afternoon sun glinted in his coin-braided hair. Even his snake feet looked angry, baring their fangs and hissing. Jason called down another lightning strike, but Ephialtus caught it on his spear, his spear and deflected the blast, melting a life-size plastic cow. He slammed a stone column out of his way like a stack of building blocks. Percy tried to keep the lake churning. He didn't want Otis rising to join this fight, but as Ephialtus closed the last few feet, Percy got to switch focus. Jason and he met the giant's charge. They lunged around Ephialtus, stabbing and slashing in a blur of gold and bronze. But the giant parried every strike. I will not yield, Ephialtus roared. You may have ruined my spectacle, but Gaia will still destroy your world. Percy lashed out, slicing the giant's spear in half. Ephialtus wasn't even phased. The giant swept low with the blunt end and knocked Percy off his feet. Percy landed hard on his sword arm, and Riptide clattered out of his grip. Jason tried to take advantage. He stepped inside the giant's guard and stabbed at his chest, but somehow Ephialtus parried the strike. He sliced the tip of his spear down Jason's chest, ripping his purple shirt into a vest. Jason stumbled, looking at the thin line of blood down his sternum. Ephialtus kicked him backward. Up in the Emperor's box, Piper cried out, but her voice was drowned in the roar of the crowd. Bacchus looked on with an amused smile, munching from a bag of Doritos. Ephialtus towered over Percy and Jason, both halves of his broken spear poised over their heads. Percy's sword arm was numb. Jason's gladius had skittered across the arena floor. Their plan had failed. 
Percy glanced up at Bacchus, deciding what final chord or curse he would hurl at the useless wine god. When he saw a shape in the sky above the Colosseum, Nadal, a large dark oval descending rapidly. From the lake, Otis yelled, trying to warn his brother, but his half-dissolved face could only manage, Uh, um, me! Don't worry, brother, Ephialta said, his eyes still fixed on the demigods. I will still make them suffer! Yarga the second turned in the sky, presenting its port side, and a green fire blazed from the ballista. Actually, Percy said, look behind you. He and Jason rolled away as Ephialtus turned and bellowed in disbelief. Percy dropped into a trench just as the explosion rocked the Colosseum. When he climbed out again, the Argo II was coming in for a landing. Jason poked his head out from, his, from behind his improvised bomb shelter of a plastic horse. Ephialtus lay charred and groan, groaning on the arena floor. The sand around him seared into a halo of glass by the heat of the Greek fire. Otis was floundering in the lake trying to reform, but the, from the arms down, he looked like a puddle of burnt oatmeal. Percy staggered over to Jason and clapped him on the shoulder. The ghostly crowd gave them a standing ovation as the Argo II extended its landing gear and settled on the arena floor. Leo stood at the helm, Hazel and Frank grinning at his side. Coach Hedge danced around the firing platform, pumping his fists in the air, yelling, That's what I'm talking about! Percy turned to the Emperor's box. Well? He yelled at Bacchus. Was that entertaining enough for you? You whine, breathed a little? No need for that. Suddenly, the god was standing right next to him in the arena. He brushed Dorito dust off his purple robes. I've decided you are worthy partners for this combat. Partners? Jason growled. You did nothing. Bacchus walked to the edge of the lake. The water instantly drained, leaving an Otis-headed pile of mush. Bacchus picked his way to the bottom and looked up at the crowd. He raised his thyrosis. The crowd jeered and hollered and pointed their thumbs down. Percy had never been sure whether that meant live or die. He'd heard it both ways. Bacchus chose the more entertaining option. He smacked Otis's head with his pinecone staff, and the giant pile of Otis meal disintegrated completely. The crowd went wild. Bacchus climbed out of the lake and strutted over to Ephialtus, who was still lying spread-eagled, overcooked, and smoking. Again, Bacchus raises Tiresias. Do it! The crowd roared. Do do it! Ephialtus wailed. Bacchus trapped the giant on the nose and Ephialtus crumbled to ashes. The ghost cheered and threw spectral confetti as Bacchus strode around the stadium with his arms raised triumphantly, exulting in the worship. He grinned at the demigods. That, my friends, is a show. And of course I did something. I killed two giants! As Percy's friends disembarked from the ship, the crowd of ghosts shimmered, for, uh, shimmered and disappeared. Piper and Nico struggled down from the Emperor's box as the Colosseum's magical renovations began to turn into mist. The arena floor remained solid, but otherwise the stadium looked as if it hadn't hosted a good giant killing for eons. Well, Bacchus said, that was fun. You have my permission to continue your voyage. Your permission? Percy snarled. Yes? Bacchus raised an eyebrow. Although your voyage may be a little harder than you expect, son of Neptune. Poseidon. Percy corrected his automatic ally. Uh, Automatically. What do you mean about my voyage? You might try the parking lot behind the Emanuel building, Bacchus said. Best place to break through. Now goodbye, my friends, and uh, good luck with that other little matter. The god vaporized in a cloud of mist that smelled faintly of grape juice. 
Jason ran to meet Piper and Nico. Coach Hedge trotted up to Percy with Hazel and Frank and Leo close behind. Was that Dionysus? Hedge asked. I love that guy. You're alive, Percy said to, uh, to the others. The Giants said you were captured. What happened? Leo shrugged. Oh, just another brilliant plan by Leo Valdez. You'd be amazed what you can do with an Archimedes sphere. A girl who can send stuff underground and a weasel. I was the weasel, Frank said glumly. Basically, Leo explained, I activated a hydraulic screw with the Archimedes device. Which is going to be awesome once I install it in the ship, by the way. Hazel sensed the easiest path to drill to the surface. We made a tunnel big enough for the weasel. And Frank climbed up with a simple transmitter that I slapped together. After that, it was just a matter of hacking into Coach Hedge's favorite satellite channel and telling him to bring the ship around to rescue us. After he got us, finding you was easy thanks to that godly light show at the Coliseum. Percy understood about 10% of Leo's story, but he decided it was enough since he had a more pressing question. Where's Annabeth? Leo winced. Yeah, about that. She's still in trouble, we think. Hurt, broken leg, maybe. At least according to this vision Gaia has shown us. Gaia has shown us. Rescuing her is our next stop. Two seconds before Percy had already had been ready to collapse. Now another surge of adrenaline cursed course through his body. He wanted to strangle Leo and demand why the Ark of the Second hadn't sailed off to rescue Annabeth first, but he thought that might sound a little ungrateful. Tell me about the vision, he said. Tell me everything. The floor shook, the wooden planks began to disappear, spilling sand into the pits of the hypogeum below. Let's talk on board, Hazel suggested. We'd better take off while we still can. They sailed out of the Colosseum and veered south over the rooftops of Rome. All over the Piazza del Colosio, traffic had come to a standstill. A crowd of mortals had gathered, probably wondering about the strange lights and sounds that had come from the ruins. As far as Percy could see, none of the giant's spectacular plans for destruction had come off successfully. The city looked the same as before. No one seemed to notice the huge Greek trireme rising into the sky. The demigods gathered around the helm. Jason bandaged Piper's sprained shoulder while Hazel sat at the stern, feeding Nico Ambrosia. The son of Hades could barely lift his head. His voice was so quiet, Hazel had to lean in whenever he spoke. Frank and Leo re recounted what had happened in the room with the Archimedes sphere. And the visions Gaia had shown them, Gaia had shown them, in the bronze mirror. They quickly decided that their best lead for finding Annabeth was that cryptic advice Bacchus had provided. The Emmanuel Building, whatever that was. Frank started typing at the helm's computer while Leo tapped furiously at his controls, muttering, Emmanuel Building, Emmanuel Building. Coach Edge tried to help by wrestling with an upside-down street of Rome. Percy knelt next to Jason and Piper. How's the shoulder? Piper smiled. It'll heal. Both of you did great. Jason elbowed Percy. Not a bad team, you and me. Better than jousting in a Kansas cornfield. Percy agreed. Ha! There it is! Leo cried, pointing to his monitor. Frank, you're amazing! I'm setting course. Frank hunched his shoulders. I just read the name off the screen. Some Chinese tourist market on Google Maps. Leo grinned at others. He reads Chinese. Just a tiny bit, Frank said. How cool is that? Guys, Hazel broke in. I hate to admit, interrupt your admiration session, but you should hear this. She helped Nico to his feet. He'd always been pale, but now his skin looked like powdered milk. His dark, sunken eyes reminded Percy of photos he'd seen of liberated prisoners of war, which Percy guessed Nico basically was. 
Thank you. Nico rasped. His eyes darted nervously around the group. I'd given up hope. The past week or so, Percy had imagined a lot of scathing things he might say to Nico when he, they met again. But the guy looked so frail and sad, Percy couldn't muster much anger. You knew about the two camps all along, Percy said. You could have told me who I was the first day I arrived at Camp Jupiter, but you didn't. Nico slumped against the helm. Percy, I'm sorry. I discovered Camp Jupiter last year. My dad led me there, though I wasn't sure why. He told me the gods had kept the camp separate for centuries and that I couldn't tell anyone. The time wasn't right, but he said it would be important for me to know. He doubled over in a fit of coughing. Hazel held his shoulders until he could stand again. I, I thought dad meant because of Hazel. Nico, Nico continued. I, I need a safe place to take her. But now, I think he wanted me to know about both camps so I'd understand how important your quest was. And so I'd search for the doors of death. The air turned electric, literally, as Jason started throwing off sparks. Did you find the doors? Percy asked. Nico nodded. I was a fool. I thought I could go anywhere in the underworld, but I walked right into Gaia's trap. I might as well have tried running from a black hole. Um, Frank chewed his lip. What kind of black hole are you talking about? Nico started to speak, but whatever he needed to say must have been too terrifying. He turned to Hazel. She put her hand on her brother's arm. Nico told me that the doors of death have two sides. One in the mortal world, one in the underworld. The mortal side of the portal is in Greece. It's heavily guarded by Gaia's forces. That's where they brought Nico back into the upper world. Then they transported him to Rome. Piper must have been nervous because her cornucopia spit out a cheeseburger. Where exactly in Greece is this doorway? Nico took a rattling breath. <sighs> the house of Hades. It's an underground temple in Epirus. I can mark it on a map. But the mortal side of the portal isn't the problem. In the underworld, the doors of death are in... <coughs> in... A cold pair of hands did the itsy-bitsy spider down Percy's back. A black hole. An escapable part of the underworld where even Nico D'Angelo couldn't go. Why hadn't Percy thought of this before? He'd been to the very edge of that place. He still had nightmares about it. Tartarus, he guessed. The deepest part of the underworld. Nico nodded. They put me into the pit, Percy. The things I saw down there. His voice broke. Hazel pursed her lips. No mortal has ever been to Tartarus, she explained. At least no one has ever gone in and returned alive. It's the maximum security prison of Hades, where the old titans and the other enemies of the gods are bound. It's where all monsters go when they die on the earth. It's... Well, no one knows what exactly it's like. Her eyes drifted towards her brother. The rest of her thought didn't need to be spoken. No one except Nico. Hazel handed him his black sword. Leaned, Nico leaned on it like it was an old man's cane. No, I understand why Hades hasn't been able to close the doors, he said. Even the gods don't go into Tartarus. Even the god of death, Thanatos himself, wouldn't go near that place. Leo glanced over from the wheel. So let me guess. We'll have to go there. Nico shook his head. It's impossible. I'm the son of Hades, and even I barely survived. Gaia's forces overwhelmed me instantly. They're so powerful down there. No demigod would stand a chance. I almost went insane. 
Nico's eyes looked like shattered glass. Percy wondered sadly if something inside of him had broken permanently. Then we'll sail for Epirus, Percy said. We'll just close the gates on this side. I wish it were that easy, Nico said. The doors would have to be controlled on both sides to be closed. It's like a double seal. Maybe, just maybe, all seven of you working together could defeat Gaia's forces on the mortal side at the House of Hades, but unless you had a team fighting simultaneously on the Tartar side, a team powerful enough to defeat a legion of monsters in their home territory. There has to be a way, Jason said. Nobody volunteered any brilliant ideas. Percy thought his stomach was sinking. Then he realized the entire ship was descending toward a big building like a palace. Annabeth. Nico's news was so horrible, Percy had momentarily forgotten she was still in danger, which made him feel incredibly guilty. We'll figure out the Tartarus problem later, he said. Is that the Emanuel building? Leo nodded. Bacchus said something about the parking lot in the back. Well, there it is. What now? Percy remembered his dream of the dark chamber, the evil buzzing voice of the monster who called her ladyship. He remembered how shaken Annabeth had looked when she'd come back from Fort Sumter after her encounter with the spiders. Percy had begun to suspect what might be down in that shrine. Literally. The mother of all spiders. If he was right and Annabeth had been trapped down there alone with that creature for hours, her leg broken, at this point he didn't care if her quest was supposed to be solo or not. We have to get her out, he said. Well, yeah, Leo agreed, but uh, he looked like he wanted to say, what if we're too late? Wisely, he changed tack. There's a parking lot in the way. Percy looked at Coach Hedge. Bacchus said something about breaking through. Coach, you still have ammo for those ballista? The satyr grinned like a wild goat. I thought you'd never ask. And that's the end of chapter 48. So, this entire time, we've been more focusing on the groups, you know, everybody except Annabeth, basically. And I think we're now going to start shifting the focus back to Annabeth, seeing how she's doing with Arachne. And I think... I I have faith in the fact that Annabeth is has is still alive but i think in the fact that she's now against her mother's greatest enemy potentially is something that is really really life-threatening it's almost on the like stage of life-threatening so i think the fact of the matter is now they need a way what exactly are they going to do because now they have the problem of Tartarus, and then they also have the problem of Annabeth. So they really need to see whether, you know, it's a matter of emotions or it's a matter, imagine like a matter of logic. Are they going to split up? Half of them go to get Annabeth. Half of them go to Tartarus. We'll have to see in the next ep- episode when we read chapters forty-nine to fifty. But I hope you guys enjoyed that just as much as I did, and. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be able to get some answers to our questions in the next episode, in the next few chapters. So, without further ado, moving on to our next segment in this episode, the shoutouts. Once again, if I, once again, I'd like to say that these shoutouts are not, you know, I, I, I appreciate, you know, everybody listening to this episode, and these shoutouts are not the only way that I'm showing appreciation. You know, I think that, you know, I, I try and take in everyone's feedback i try and i smile at every single comment i see every single compliment i see about this podcast so truly it's every single person out there every single listener out there 
you all are special. You guys are very special to me. You guys are special in my heart. And you guys are the reason why I'm making this podcast on a daily basis. So once again, I'm very sorry if I if you guys don't hear your name. If you would like a shout out, feel free to ask me and I'll go ahead and do it. So moving on to the shout outs. Once again, if I forget y'all, um, just go ahead and ask me, hey, you forgot me and I'll make sure to put you guys in the next episode. So one... Music Kitty 08 to Lemon Lenny Lemon 3 Aiden next Flynn slash Kirby for Great Harvest Bread Co. Company Corporation Elvis Kin Kindy Kemp Kemp Kids Josh Um I would I'm this next one I'm gonna say their profile picture as well as what I think is what their username is, but it's an underscore with the Kermit profile pic. Um Mojo and Roxy and Dexter Peeps 101. Um once again if I missed anybody, please let me know. But um thank you very much for listening to this. If you guys would like to show some extra support Please continue to support me on... uh, You can go ahead and support me on Patreon. Once again, link in the description of the podcast. And thank you guys for supporting me. And thank you guys for listening to this episode. So once again, until next week, I hope you guys stay safe and stay out of boredom.